Everyone, welcome to the 39th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Brian Gottlieb, and we have the full do we do we call it spoiler? I don't know the full preview set for our devastation. I don't know what the preferred nomenclature is these days. Yeah, I guess once it's all out, you can't really call it a spoiler anymore, right? It's just we have the set; it's ours now. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be on Magic Online in a few days, and at that point, we're going to get to work. But uh, for right now. I have a lot of speculation. You have actually been playing some games, apparently. I have. I've been using these kind of, uh, you know, back-channel methods to get my games in some cockatrice, yeah. things like that. I've been very interested in the format so far. There's some good stuff here. Okay, cool. So we were a little down on the set last week. I think a lot of that is maybe going to continue. I think we're a little bit more optimistic than we were before. But overall, I would say that the set is still probably pretty weak. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I found interesting things to brew around. In some spots, it does feel like I'm trying a little hard, but that's okay. In, in week one, I'm willing to put in that you know extra effort to make cards maybe hit their full potential. But it's at least kept me interested so far, and and I do think there's some potential in some decks, and there's some decks I'm starting to get excited about. So that's good. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm basically in the same camp. So this week we're going to start with uh, our top ten cards from the set. Each of us probably just discuss kind of like the weirdo choices rather than be like oh a braid is good uh and then want to talk about the decks for standard going forward just like both the new stuff and how the old stuff kind of holds up against these new things and maybe what sort of new things that they get to so uh, i'm just gonna go from the top from my list and then you can feel free to nitpick my list however you want sounds good go for it okay so number one i have a braid number two hour of devastation three is nickel bolus Number four is Unsummon, which was very exciting for me to see that on the back end of the previews. Uh, Number five is Champion of Wits. Number six is Angel of Condemnation, which I think might be a miss, but I want to try it. Hour of Promise, Hollow One, God Pharaoh's Gift, and then just like the deserts as a whole, mostly the creature land, but the, the whole thing I think is cool. My first nitpick would, would be who reads a top 10 list starting with number one? You're supposed to work your way down from number 10. Build the excitement. <laughs> Fair, man. I don't know. So, so that's my first gripe with your list. Yeah, okay. I did notice that when you sent it to me, it was 10, 9, 8, etc., but yes, whatever. That's okay. Your heart was in the right place. Um, as far as specific cards there... Um, nothing really sticks out to me as egregious. I, I would like to hear you talk maybe a little bit more about the Angel, because that's a card that I read it. It's an interesting ball of abilities, but I don't. I just haven't seen a home yet, and I it feels like a card that's maybe not good enough. And and you you soften the blow a little bit. You said it might be a miss, but what are you thinking if it if it does make a home? Where is it going to find a home? I I don't know. I think my mind is kind of in the wrong place right now. I just got back from the SCG Invitational. I played the white-blue Akechra's Monument deck, and it was one of the best decks that i played in a very long time. I don't know, Angel seems like... It doesn't obviously, like, slot right into the deck, but I do feel like it could be good either in the main deck or as part of, like, a transformational sideboard plan, but, like, you have a lot of things that you don't mind blinking in the deck, and the stats are reasonable, and whatever, you know? It's just, like, a reasonably costed flyer that I think could fit. Okay. My my take on the Monument deck was that creatures with power of three were kind of automatically disqualified due to your reliance on dusk is is that a mistake i haven't played any games with the blue white monument deck yet it looks very interesting to me i know you've been raving about it and i I definitely will get some games in before the format rotates yeah Um, so that's one of the reasons why i don't think it would be part of the main deck necessarily but like even still a lot of people play avacyn you have selfless spirit like I don't think it's a complete deal breaker, but I had Angel of Sanctions in my sideboard and I still brought that in in matchups where Dusk was good. And then it's just like you have them both in your hand and you get to choose how to sequence them. Like either you can blow Dusk for a quick two for one and then play Angel the next turn or you can like play the Angel, bait out a removal spell and kind of like bait them into overcommitting and then Dusk. Like it's kind of up to you. Like there is some negative synergy there, but I don't think it's like the end of the world or anything. Yep, that's totally reasonable. I I also... Uh, on a few other points, I share your excitement about Unsummon. It's funny to think how good we had it when we had Vapor Snag, right? I don't think we thought at the time, like, wow, we ha- we're so lucky to have a card like Vapor Snag. Um, but now looking back, that was an awesome card. Yeah, most of the times when you're, like, Vapor Snagging your own creature, it's it's still not that bad. You losing one life is 
not a big deal. And I do kind of see unsummon in a potential role where maybe you are just unsummoning your own creatures a lot just because you're in a matchup where actual spot removal would be mostly dead, you know? So you're just, like, saving your things for removal or for value or whatever. So, yeah, I think unsummon is, like, very, very versatile. I think it doesn't get enough credit just in general. It's it's not even on your top ten list, so... It's not. It's not. Well, I will say, though, there. that... I- a deck that wants unsummon is usually a deck that I love to play. Um, it fits right into my play style. So hopefully well, you are correct and there's a good home for unsummon in the format. Well, yet again, I would just like play some copies in the monument deck. That makes sense. And there, there are also things like blue white flash that people can play where it's just like unsummon is kind of the card that those decks have really needed. Yeah, I, that that makes sense as a as a good home for that card. I hope you're right. I love casting Unsummon so much. It just like calls back to my 1994 roots. I've been playing with Unsummon for so long. Let me get into my list, and, and you can tell me your gripes with mine. Although Go you're nuts. not going to be able to gripe about the order, because I am going to start at number 10. Uh, number 10 for me is Nicole Bolas. Number 9, Champion of Wits. Number 8, a card that I've seen almost no one mention, Beneath the Sands. Uh, number 7, Supreme Will. Number 6, Deserts. You have converted me to Team Desert. Hell yeah. yeah. These cards are good, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about it. Uh, number five, I have a braid. Number four, Hour of Devastation. Number three, Hour of Revelation. Number two, still riding high on Hollow One. But my number one card from this set is now Hour of Promise. Again, going back to the desert theme. All right, so how the hell do you not have a braid at number one? I do think that a braid is just a solid spell. It's going to see a ton of play. If I was rating these as to which cards I think are going to see the absolute most play going forward, it would probably be my number one. For me, the cards I have really high are the ones that can totally reshape the format. Sure. And okay. I'm starting to see the potential there, especially with Hour of Promise. I, I mean, it's it's ramping from 5 to 10. That's crazy. That's unprecedented. That's some really powerful ramp. And, and it I'm, gives you two blockers, too. Yeah, yeah. And if you set up your deck properly, you're, you're getting some defense. This card is the real deal. My initial brews with this have been doing very well against the existing metagame. Uh, and they're in a very rough form right now. So as I kind of flesh them out, I'm excited to see where things can go with Hour of Promise. All right, not a whole lot of nitpicking on your list. I I do think that Unsummon is just criminally underrated in general. When I was building decks on the plane flight home, I I did have Beneath the Sands in my decks. I did think about Ruin in their wake a little bit, and I remember trying that back in the day, and it was like, you have to jump through so many hoops to try and make it work, but I do think that if it does actually work, if, if there are enough ways to actually do it now, then I think that that card could be really good because there's not... Any yeah, that's, that's where I started in my ramp decks. That's where I started, and I, I just can't make it work as of now. Maybe someone smarter than me will be able to, to get the numbers right and you know consistently be ramping on turn two, but uh, I couldn't find the configuration, and I, was, I actually stopped looking for it because I was so impressed with Beneath the Sands. I mean, Cycling's okay. exactly the ability you want on a ramp card. How many times have you... I mean, I don't know how much ramp... I, I try and avoid playing ramp in most cases, where unless it's the absolute best deck. I played it a lot in playtesting, so I know the feeling. Okay. Yeah, you know the feeling. You draw the ramp card off the top of your deck, and you're like, oh, I lose now. Well, now, yeah. now that card turns into something else, and you have a second chance at winning the game. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been impressed by Beneath the Sands. It was a card... I think it was a late addition to the spoiler. It showed it up was. in like the last yeah. batch of things. So that's probably why it hasn't really hit people's radars yet. But I think it will. I, I think it's a noteworthy ramp spell for sure. All right. So what about Corrupted Graphstone? Well, I think the main problem is that you need to hit seven lands to turn on your your shrines. So ramping with, at least in all the decks I'm building, so ramping with Corrupted Graphstone is just not what you want to do. You need to be able to cast your Hour of Promise and then have Ulamog on the next turn. Sure. Okay. Uh, and if you're playing Graphstone, you can't do that. Now, that's not to say it's it's not playable. I, I'm sure there's another style of ramp deck. Maybe that doesn't even top off at Ulamog. Maybe it's it's finding its top end at a lower place. And it's just, you know, using the desert synergy of Hour of Promise to kind of shore up its game plan. That seems reasonable to me. I've been so impressed with the card Hour of Promise that I want to try it in every conceivable top end. So I'm sure at some point I'll try non-Ulamog ramp decks and, and see what they look like. But yeah, as of right now... Corrupted Graphstone hasn't been something I've been messing around with all that much. Okay, so uh, Supreme Will, how how did this make the top ten? I thought we were pretty lukewarm on this after last yeah, week. Yeah, I I was, and just the more I think about it, you know, every single time I I start thinking of a blue deck, I keep including more and more copies of Supreme Will. I just think the flexibility is is so key in not only this format but modern Magic. 
I think flexibility is just the name of the game. You need to have your options open to you because the threats are so diverse. And this card is just weaseling its way into more and more decks for me. Yeah, I, I have to kind of eat my words on this one. I, I wanted to pump the brakes, but I'm into Supreme Will now as well. Supreme Will and Deserts are my, are my two big turning points. You, you got me. They're right. better than I first thought. Cool. Well, talking about new decks, what does this format actually give us? You talked about the Desert Ramp deck a little bit. I think Nicol Bolas is a pretty reasonable thing to try and build around. I liked all the Desert stuff with Eldrazi, uh, as I mentioned last week. And then Chapin actually posted a White Blue Flash deck today in his article that looked pretty good. And I don't even think it had Unsummon in it, which was... Criminal. So I'm going to double check on that right quick. Yeah, so what is what is the Desert Ramp doing? Like, why Why do you think that this deck is so good? Like I said, f- 5 to 10. That, that's an incredible, incredible acceleration pace. M- my first two versions, the ones that I found the most success with, have been green-white and g- green-red. But honestly, you could port the shell into any color, and there's some merit to all of them, with the possible exception of blue. My list right now is kind of a hybrid Eldrazi ramp-type deck. Uh, it's got Thought Not Seers. Post-board, it brings in Reality Smashers. Uh, the white version has a couple of matter reshapers as well. The sweepers in the format are, are very good. Hour of Devastation has been excellent for me. It's cleaning up the board to the exact extent I need it to against things like Mardu, against Rug Decks. It, it, it's, been, it's been really good. I don't have as many games with the green-white list yet, so I can't speak to uh, Hour of Revelation, but in the few games I have played, I've, I've also been impressed. I, I just think that it's totally plausible you for you to control the board in the early game with things like sweltering suns uh spot removal and then just out of nowhere have an ulamog in play i i think we're back to turn six turn five ulamogs existing all over the place uh i don't know if that's a good thing or not i don't know if people are ready for it but yeah the ramp deck has been super good uh, it's a man's attention that's where i'm at right now i'm not saying it's going to dominate the pro tour or anything but it's just proven itself powerful enough that i think people need to start getting it into their gauntlets yeah, I mean, at the very least, it seems like a level zero sort of thing and yep. could potentially end up being better than that. Like, it strikes me as a deck where you, you have access to, like, all this good removal. You have a great top end. You have things like Chandra Flamecaller or Thought Not Seer. It lets you play a bunch of different game plans, and, like, that sort of stuff can, like, also help you shift your deck a little bit during sideboarding to not get wrecked by something like Lost Legacy or whatever, right? So, like, yes. you could shift into, like, more of a beatdown deck, or you could shift into something that's a little more controlling, like, just whatever you need to do. Yep, and I, th- I think the list, as I've been playing it now, and basically, you know, ramp spells, big top end, removal, it does, ha- does have some vulnerability to counter magic. Uh, negate is a-, a house against you. Countering the Hour of Promise is pretty devastating to your game plan. But I think against those decks and post-board games, you can just get to a really good spot. You, Like I said, you bring in Reality Smasher, you bring in Tireless Trackers, get rid of some of the removal, and now you're a pretty good threat deck. I mean, Tireless Tracker into Thought Not Seer into Reality Smasher, that's a really good curve. Yeah, especially um, if they're sitting on a bunch of negates and things like that. Exactly, exactly. So I like the flexibility post-board, even if in you know game ones you're, you're a little soft to counter magic right now. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with that deck. I'm excited to get more games in, sure. Sweet. I was thinking a little bit about Nickel Bolas decks on my plane ride. Have you done any work with those? No, I, I've been all in on ramp right now. It, it's monopolizing my focus, so I, I'd love to hear where you're at with Nicole Bolas. Okay, well, at some point you have to hour promise in a Nickel Bolas, I'm pretty sure. I think that's a requisite. Okay, that can, that can certainly get on my to-do list. Okay, so uh, the things that I was thinking about were uh, this... Red Black Midrange deck that went 7-3 at the last Pro Tour. It was like Glorybringer, Walking Ballista, Disintegration, whatever. Like Planeswalkers and Removal and stuff. Nickel Bolas and Hour of Devastation both seem to fit in there. I like the idea of Corrupted Graphstone. Uh, Razakath's Right. Are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. This is the five mana Diabolic Tutor with Cycling. Oh, yes. I, I am familiar with this. And we'll be talking about this later on for sure. Cause, okay. Yeah, this is an interesting card. I, I imagine you're talking about like new perspectives with this, right? Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's the obvious home, right? Yep. So uh, I like the idea of this card mostly to turn on Corrupted Graphstone, but also just because it's a pretty reasonable card. I don't know if I'm supposed to be playing like Wildfire Eternal. I'm sure I'll like try some of those lists. This is the like whenever the four mana one four with Afflict Four, whenever it attacks and isn't blocking, cast an instant or sorcery from yep. your hand without paying its mana cost. Interesting card. 
maybe that's more of like a sideboard transitional card. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think the Diabolic Tutor has a reasonable amount of utility and like at worst it cycles and turns on your graph zone. So it's not the worst thing ever. But yeah, like there's no shortage of good removal. You have Fatal Push, Magma Spray, Grasp of Darkness, Abrade, Disintegration, Never to Return, just all this different stuff. Uh, a lot of good Planeswalkers, a lot of good mid-range threats, Bolas at the top end. Like, it, it seems like a pretty reasonable deck. Maybe not something that's ever going to dominate or whatever, but definitely going to be a thing that people will play. Yeah, the removal is pretty great. I guess if I have a hesitation, and this is something that has, I guess, manifested over the last week for me to a greater degree than had previously existed, I'm just concerned about Nicole Bolas' power level as it relates to a 7-mana Planeswalker. I think things like, like we look back to other 7-mana Planeswalkers, things like Karn, uh, even if we go down a mana to Elspeth, I think Elspeth was a more powerful card than this. You know, it only has spot removal attached to it, and it comes at a huge loyalty cost, so any kind of huge board presence you're going to have a hard time with. Now, obviously, you're constructing your deck in a way to mitigate that, and you're very removal-heavy. I don't know. Is, is there any concern for you about just the raw power level of Bolas? Dude, this thing, like, seems pretty similar to Karn, honestly. Like, it has a bunch of loyalty, can go after their hand, and has, like, a significant minus that deals with one permanent and then if you have the plus two and hit anything reasonable you have a nine loyalty planeswalker and seems like it is going to be fine except on the widest of boards and that's okay. where our devastation like actually just helps you a lot so okay that seems reasonable to me it could be one of those things where you know i haven't actually cast nicole bolus yet and maybe i'll cast my first one and just be like oh now i understand Okay. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's insane or anything. It's not. It's not like a showstopper like Ugin was or anything. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think that its power level is in the correct spot. I, I guess I'm expecting it to be insane if we're building our deck around it, right? Because I don't see a ton of reason to play just kind of a red black removal deck outside of Nicole Bolas. Uh, so I guess I demand it be good enough. But when I think about it in the context and the fact that, like you said, you have all kinds of ways to mitigate your opponent going wide, I do see potential for for Bolas. Well, it's mostly just like, I want to play Hour of Devastation, right? Like, that yeah. is the card that seems good against most of the things that people are doing. Get to ramping. That's that's my favorite home right now, unsurprisingly. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm ramping with Graphstone. Okay, okay. As long, as long as you're ramping, then we're on the same page. I mean, it's probably going to get abraded, but whatever. Yeah, that is the problem with relying on, on that card now. It would have been safe for some period of time, but now it's got a target on it. Yo, if they get scared and they use their turn two or turn three to pick off that card, I think I'm okay with that trade, too. Well, you're not going to have a ton of other targets, though, in your deck, right? No, but it just means that they're doing that instead of doing something else. I see what you're saying. Did we find out if, if Chapin was interested in Unsummon or not? Uh, he had two Cast Out, four Sensor, two Supreme Will, three of something that was not Unsummon, maybe like Stasis Snare or something, and then 20 yeah, Creatures, 24 snare. Land. Yep, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. It is Stasis Snare. Uh, I agree, Unsummon seems like an immediate fit in this deck. Uh, the one mana quasi-removal is kind of exactly what this deck wants. It's just so good with Spell Queller. Like, the, the problem with Spell Queller was, like, the stuff that got under it and the fact that they could just, like, hit you with their thing and then pass the turn, and mm. then you would just have to run out your 2-3, you know? But now you just actually get to do something that affects the board and punish them. So I think Flash is pretty reasonable. I don't know if it's the list that Chapin posted. I mean, obviously the 3-1 Flash Flyer helps a reasonable amount. Nimble Obstructionist. Yeah, neither of us had him on our top 10 list and he's a card that a lot of people seem excited about why did why did you not rank him as highly as some other people might have because unsummons the real hero not the obstructionist you know i mean that card is good and it's going to show up in a lot of spots but it's it's not unsummoned you know i keep thinking about what its ability is going to be hitting most often and i kind of don't come up with anything like <laughs> it's one of those things where once it's in my deck, I'm sure I'll find spots for it all over the place. But when I'm just brainstorming about it, I haven't been too excited about any of its uses. I don't know. It's like you counter an Angel of Sanctions or like a Stasis Snare or a Planeswalker Ultimate or something. Like Yeah, Chandra's the one that was like, ooh, getting a, a, a nice Chandra board wipe would be really sweet. Yeah, yeah. Flamecaller's a good one. I don't know. Even just like the Ulamog Exile 2 and then you just like unsummon it or snare it or whatever. It's like, who cares? That's a really good one, yeah. And the fact that it's just a 3-1 flyer certainly gains it some points. I just thought it was interesting that we both passed on that for our top 10 list. But... I think it's good. It's just, it's not top 10. I'm not super excited about it. Yep. We had talked a little bit about, I believe, some God Pharaoh's gift lists. Do you have anything to say about that card? Do you, are you a believer in that card? 
So the the more I thought about it, I was building some decks, as I mentioned. The more I thought about it, I think like a sideboard plan of three Gate to the Afterlife and one God Pharaoh's Gift might be really good in decks that don't have artifacts. Very interesting. So we'll exploit the fact that the Abrades will be coming out against us. Well, see, that's that's the problem, right? Is if you're a creature deck, the Abrades are going <laughs> to stay in <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. That right. So it has to be it has to be a very specific scenario where you're like a creature deck, you don't have artifacts. And they're not playing a braid. Or even if they are, maybe you don't care because within the first three turns, they're going to use their braid on your first target or whatever, right? But yeah, this this could be like kind of a part of a go big plan post-board. I think there's, you know, as we talk about kind of the ineffectualness of this set for Constructed, I think there's some really good sideboard cards. And not only really good sideboard cards, but really good sideboard plans that some of the existing decks get. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. I mean, it's... I think a lot of people would just point to like the defeats or whatever, but I think it's a, a lot more than that. Like like Kefnet's last word, I think is another really good one. The gods could be reasonable as like a a big mid range threat, even like a lot of these mythics that we haven't talked about. Uh, maybe maybe now's a good time to hop into these existing decks now that we're talking about sideboarding and in them. Yeah. Sure. Okay. okay. Well, let's start with Mardu because you've been playing this deck well at least before you know the entire set was revealed. Yeah, I I have some thoughts. I think the tools or the gifts to Mardu are, are a little thin here, but there are playable cards for sure. First one is Gideon's Defeat. You know, again, a, a nice sideboard card. Why don't I talk about the cards I identified as, as really good sideboard cards? Gideon's Defeat was the first one. Bringing it in the mirror, taking care of a Gideon is nice. I'm going to enjoy bluffing with one white mana into my opponent's Gideon a lot to force them to just make a token as opposed to hit me for five. I think that's going to be a common play pattern that pops up. Yeah, it sounds like you're still losing that game anyway. But Probably, still. probably. But it's going to feel good when I hole left their Gideon for like three or four turns. You mentioned the gods. I think Scorpion God does have a home in the sideboard of Mardu. You can certainly see long grindy games, and especially post-board games for Mardu tend to go in that direction. He's going to generate a lot of value in those games, plus the fact he's just difficult to kill. I thought about it in the mirror, where one player, usually the player on the draw, kind of shifts to the controlling role. I think the Scorpion God is going to be really good for the player who's not in the controlling role. I mean, I came off this plan, but people were still bringing in Fumigates against me in the Mardu Mirror all the time. Um, I, I think that's kind of horrible. Yeah. I just saw it regularly. This card certainly does a nice job of further invalidating that plan. Um, and, and just, you know, they, they do tend to bring in more removal when they're on the draw, I think, and play the defensive role. So Scorpion God will do a lot to counteract that as well as picking off their threats. The obvious inclusion is a braid, right? I think we're going to say this about every red deck. It's just an, a nice piece of removal. I don't think it's better than the existing removal spells, though. Right? Are you are you getting away from Unlicensed Disintegration Fatal Push to start playing a braids? Definitely not getting away from Unlicensed Disintegration, but yeah. I think moving away from push is completely reasonable. I, I would be inclined to feel out the format a little bit before I was making that change. I think on power level, push is still the better card, and I just I have to see ubiquitous artifacts everywhere before I'm willing to make that switch. But maybe a starting point is, is a split. You know, two push to a braid is totally reasonable for week one. A card I wanted to talk about, and I think I know where you're going to fall on this. I think you're going to agree with me. But I've seen people mention it over and over, and that's I have a difficult time pronouncing the name of this card. Solemnity. Solemnity. I, I can't pronounce it. You know what card I'm talking about. Solemnity? Solemnity? Maybe <laughs> Dude, that's I don't it. know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. Um, I don't ever want to have to say it again. And I also don't really ever want to bring it in against things like Rug Energy or... I'm closer on green-black Winding Constrictor style decks, especially the more aggressive ones. But I think I'm still passing. Do you agree with me there? Yeah, this this will never be better than un, just a removal just spell. Just a spell, yeah. And people are like, oh, this wrecks that deck. I'm like, no, I don't think it does. You just want removal spells or, you know, relying on this as opposed to Fumigate, which is such a good card against those decks, seems crazy to me. I, I'm passing on that plan for sure. So do you have anything else for the Mardu deck? Any other tools that I missed? No, it, like I think Scorpion God is better when you're being proactive. I am skeptical as to how much better it is going to be than any random planeswalker. Like, you have so many good options. Chandra Nahiri, Obnixilis, even, like, uh, Liliana Death's Majesty. Like, all of these are things that create a difficult-to-remove threat while also moving the game forward to some degree. 
And I don't know, this thing just seems like a little bit easier to deal with, a little bit easier to ignore. Like it's not it's not just about raw card advantage anymore, you know? A braid is definitely a good pickup, but it's also a question of like how much does everyone else's abrades make them better against you? Yeah, and, and that is a problem, right? A lot of decks which would have had to play things like, you know, Dissenter's Deliverance are getting a very clean main deckable answer to your artifact-based threats. If you had to like do a, a stock rating of Mardu vehicles post-Hour of Devastation, do you think Mardu's stock has gone up or gone down? Uh, I would likely say gone down, but I, al- I already think it was like kind of low to begin with. It, fe- it felt like it, it was just behind every deck, like... Both the energy decks, zombies, the monument deck, it, it just felt like it lost to all of those decks. I think that it was, it had the potential to have very good sideboard options. I think that with proper configurations in postboard matchups, you could get most of your matchups to where you wanted them to be. And I often felt that when I was playing with less skilled players, I was very comfortable playing Mardu. I just feel like they made a lot of mistakes, had very suboptimal sideboard plans. But your points are valid. The deck has been trending down for a while. Hour of Devastation only made things worse for Mardu, so well, bad time for Mardu fans. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the importance of having good cyborg plans and how well those help your win percentage against like less prepared players, and I mm. think Zombies, Teamer Energy, and the White Blue Monument deck all do that, but better also. I honestly think my own experience, having just a ton of reps with Mardu and, and a comfort level... Which is not something I really bank on as a Magic player. I, I'm very comfortable moving to a new deck, but for whatever reason, I found a lot of adaptability within Mardu and leaned on that pretty hard. But the tables are turning now. I'm, I'm willing to put down my Mardu cards and, and look for greener pastures. And maybe speaking of greener pastures, maybe this is a good time to talk about the Blue-White Monument deck, since you're kind of our resident expert on this deck now. Yeah, played it Played it last week. I, I basically like flew into Roanoke, was staying at Todd Anderson's house... We were just chatting about stuff, and he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to play this this Monument deck. And I was like, oh, like the modern white one looked okay. And he was like, no, this Blue Splash. Uh, guy 5 would with it a couple days ago. Someone else crushed me with it, and the deck just looked great. And I was like, show me the list. So I saw it, and I was just like, yeah, we're going to play this. And I didn't bring the cards for it or anything. I just had to go to Star City and spend like the $100 on the deck. And I made Josh Cho do the same thing, because I was like, we're playing this deck. Because I could just tell that... It was it was good and it just like solved everything mostly and the only thing that was left was really just finding a good cohesive sideboard plan and I don't think I figured it out until I was actually playing in the tournament but it, it involves something like cutting all of the handware militia captains and some of the Akestra's monuments and just boarding in you know more card drawing bigger threats more removal and sidestep sidestepping all their sweepers and all the nonsense that people bring in against you like all the disenchants and stuff it just felt like green white tokens to me. Uh, very cool. I think that deck was probably the story of this weekend as far as standard goes, right? It's certainly a breakout performance. Todd was 7-0-1, I went 7-1, and Cho, I think, went 6-2. Yeah, I wish I was at that tournament because I, I had caught some awareness of this deck as well, and, and you were talking about it you know, over in our, our Discord for our Patreon members, and kind of came out of left field. But going forward, is this a deck that's going to stick around? What, what does this deck gain from the new set? So I don't think it gains a lot, but I do think it was probably pretty far ahead of everything anyway. Uh, some of the people at the Invitational were like, you know, how how was this deck just found out now? And it's like, well, decks like this had no shot of beating Marvel in a million years. And that's why no one even bothered to work on them, because there's just no way that you could beat those decks, so why even try, right? So I mentioned Angel of Condemnation earlier. I think that might be a miss. I think that it is probably going to end up being a poor angel of sanctions even though they're mostly doing different things it's just like how many big mopey flyers can you play right and i think angel of sanctions is the better one i do think that unsummon is likely great in small numbers i don't think that you can afford to draw too many of them but i do think that the versatility of just being able to tempo their their glory bringer for a turn or just like bounce your cloud blazer or save your bygone bishop from removal or whatever like the versatility is there uh supreme will is a card that i don't think is good enough for the deck just because you would rather have the efficiency of metallic rebuke but is another thing that you could potentially look at and yeah sideboard options like we talked about uh i am very interested in coming up with a cohesive sideboard plan i was trying to do that on the flight too and i couldn't quite get there but i i think i'm close let me tell you a weirdo card I spotted. I don't I don't actually think this is good enough, but I saw this card and it gave me pause and I thought for a second and it's a card that 
maybe has escaped your purview until now. Have you seen the card Saving Grace? Uh, yeah. Do you think that's well, interesting in any context? If you are a strict beatdown deck, then yes. But most of the decks that you would want Saving Grace against, I think I'm just going to sideboard around it. I, obviously, this card could do things against, like, Pummeler, but mostly you're just looking to use this to save your creatures from, like, a Sweltering Suns or an Hour Devastation or so. Or no, Hour, hours like, can't be prevented? I think it just gets rid of Indestructible. Oh, who's Indestructible? Doesn't? Okay, yeah, yeah so... It gets it goes through selfless spirit, but it doesn't lose to or it does lose to redirection. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think this card is anything special. And you know, when you talk about presenting a cohesive sideboard plan, it doesn't seem like this is really doing that. But it's just like a neat little card that caught my eye, and I think is is probably better than it reads on first glance. It does some weird stuff with combat and racing, but probably going to be a pass. Just a little interesting card. I thought I'd point out. No, yeah, it is definitely really interesting. I don't know. I think I was the only one siding out my militia captains. And I think if people are trying to keep that aggressive, like, beatdown stance, then this is probably a card that you would want to look at, uh, if not for just, like, an actual negate or something. But mm -hmm. uh, if there's, like, a deck like Humans or something in that vein that's a little more aggressive, I definitely like the idea of this card. Do you have an opinion on Monument going forward? I think it's great. Yeah, you've been very high on this deck. Maybe, you know, the most excited I've heard you about a deck in quite a while, so... Yeah, dude, this this was seriously one of the best decks I've ever played in a tournament. Like, I felt so far ahead, and I just wish that I wouldn't have blew it with, you know, losing a bunch in Modern. But going forward, there's, you know, the issue of, like, turn six Ulamogs kind of rain in on your parade and everything, which was the reason why this deck didn't exist before, so should that actually happen to be a thing? Like, you're going to need to change a lot of things to actually be able to fight against that which is kind of scary i think your counter magic leaves you in a pretty good position you know the early clock backed up with some counter magic is a pretty big problem for ramp decks the problem if if they do end up being sweeper based like mine are right now that's a bit of a problem the, the one match i lost was to a chandra flame caller it was, it was that out of a creature deck you know yeah that card is very good against the go wide decks for sure yeah i'm interested to see where blue white monument goes and I'm interested to get some games in with it. Do you have do you have a deck you want to talk about next? What's your what's your next interesting deck? Uh, Teamer Energy, I guess. Not super interesting. Some small upgrades, obviously a braid among them. Uh, these decks could do things like Splash Nicobolus if they actually wanted a bigger card. Like some some decks are playing like Sky Sovereign main deck just to be a little more inbred for the mirror matches and stuff. And Nicobolus could be a better version of that, albeit one that's more expensive and maybe harder to cast. I think Captain's Last Word is pretty sweet. I could see Kefnet's last word seeing some play. Yeah, certainly against big threat decks. I have a couple other weirdo cards that I, I don't actually think I believe are good enough, but I wanted to get your thoughts on them. Yeah, what you got? Uncaged the Menagerie. X equaling three seems pretty good in this deck in really grindy matchups. The problem is I can't really think of any grindy matchups. Like, so many decks turn the corner so quickly. In the mirror, I think you just get kind of beat up by Glorybringers if you're doing this on turn five. Right. And then against, like, counterspell heavy decks, well, they'll just counter this. But five mana, draw three, you know, rogue refiners or three tireless trackers. I don't know. That's interesting. It is, but is it, like, you almost never play the fourth tireless tracker, right? Yeah. And how much worse is this than just, like, play tracker, play land, and sack it's, your clue? You know, like, that, that play is worse. So it's probably worse. I know. I, like I said, I, I really had to stretch for rug cards. And, again, another card I'm stretching for Neheb the Eternal. You know, this is kind of like a very snowball-y deck, um, generating a lot of mana on turns. I don't know. What are you going to do with the mana? You probably play like Chandra. The fact that it's only red mana is a little problematic for your deck. You go things like, you know, Skyship. But yeah, I wasn't super excited about any of these ideas. I just wanted to explore them as possibilities because I didn't see a whole lot for the rug deck. I think a braid is the clear inclusion. Other than that, I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of struggling, which should be a good thing, right? Like, this is the deck that's all over Magic Online and is kind of killing it, at least until the Monument deck picks up and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I am very happy that this deck basically gets nothing. Yeah, I, and it makes sense that we get nothing in the context of the fact that it's kind of energy-based uh, right. in a lot of regards right now, and there, there's no energy in this set. So stock rating on Rug, I'm going to hold on Rug. I don't think anything has really changed, uh, and it's positioned in the format. It's still super powerful. I don't, I don't, I'm not scared to play it week one. It, it does a lot of, it has a lot of very versatile game plans. So yeah, I'm just holding on Rug for now. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I feel like this is a deck that, regardless of what happens in the next couple weeks, like people are still going to play it at the Pro Tour. They're still going to do pretty well. It kind of is what it is, you know? Hopefully yeah. it doesn't maintain its number one spot and just becomes a little bit more equal with everything else. All right, so next deck is Green-Black Energy. I, I'm thinking like Green Belt Rampager type stuff. I don't have a ton for this deck. I'm interested in Doomfall a little bit. I like its versatility. Uh, I like having a decent answer to Bristling Hydra. I, I don't have too much else other than that. If, if things get big again, if it becomes Black-Green Delirium, there's like Traveler's Amulet. I hope I'm never playing that card again, but it's nah, possible. You, what do you mean again? <laughs> I, I've played that card before, and it, it has not been pretty. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have a ton for, for Black-Green Energy. What kind of tools did you see? uh basically nothing like doomfall is just so slow it's like yeah it's it's versatile but if you want a discard spell you can find a better one if you want an edict you can also find a better one so what are you really doing here with this claim to fame is the only thing that i was kind of interested in either just getting back your winding constrictor making sure that it's like really difficult for them to actually kill that card because it's your best card but then obviously you run the issue of not drawing the constrictor and then you're claiming back just I don't know, random nonsense, Long Tusk Cub, is that even good? Probably not. Uh, if you are playing like a Jund Energy deck, which I think is probably pretty good and maybe a better version of this, Claim to Fame is a little bit more exciting because you can get something like Voltaic Brawler, but again, this is a card that maybe you'll play one of, but either way, it's not super exciting. And The the card, the games where you're wishing that this card was like any random creature are, are probably going to be many, so... Yeah, and I, I don't think I'm looking to warp my mana base around it either. Just the impact isn't big enough, and I'm a little concerned about leaving the, the safe comforts of black-green. Uh, you know, a card we talked about last week was Dream Stealer, and it does seem like some people are coming around to that. You pointed me in the direction of a, a Sean McLaren article where he's kind of talking about its home in black-green energy and, and likes its chances there. Uh, he mentioned synergies with Grimflayer, which I hadn't thought about before, milling your Dream, dream Stealers into your graveyard. So that's a card we can consider. You know, I think by the end of last week, even I had shifted down my opinion of that card a little bit, but it is getting a little buzz. Maybe that'll make its way into the deck. Yeah, I don't know. It still seems very slow to me. And just like banking on something for its externalized or eternalized. Why, do I, why did I think it was externalized for forever? I finally actually read it. Uh, eternalize value. Yeah, just banking on that does not seem great to me. No, I know. I had, I had gotten to the point where I was talking myself off of it, and now I've seen people talking about it again, and I'm starting to get excited again. I'll, I'll pump the brakes <laughs> by the end of the yeah. episode. Yeah, do that. Yeah, not a lot for me on, on black-green. I think this is another deck that's just holding. As far as its positioning in the format, it's not going to hold up well against things like ramp, if that is a deck, uh, which seems to be something we're saying quite a lot. Yeah, I think um, it's fine against ramp decks in general, but the the fact that you have a bunch of different sweepers now, and well, you have things on the ground to block from Hour of Promise, like, I don't know, that, that whole combination seems pretty bad to me. It seems pretty bad against the Monument deck, it seems bad against Zombies, like, I'm not, not seeing a lot of great stuff. Yep, I'm with you. I think I would trend black-green a little bit downwards, that would be my guess. I think we'll see a little bit less of it. Uh, yeah, Teamer just strikes me as a color combination that has the tools to beat with like beat a, a well-rounded metagame, you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas Black Green Energy is gonna struggle a little bit. Yeah, I've I've played Black Green a bunch, and the weeks where I faced the correct metagame, I was very pleased with my choice. And the weeks I didn't, it was like, why would I ever bring this deck to a tournament? You're just kind of reliant on positioning for Black Green to be good. And I, I don't think that's week one. You know, they'll, they'll probably come a point some week in the format where black-green is a totally reasonable choice. Yeah, but, but then at that point, you just have to realize that it's mostly a metagame deck, right? Exactly. Exactly my point. So, yeah, a little bit down on black-green. What's our next deck? Ooh, zombies. Zombies. So I, I certainly have to default to your opinion here. Let's hear what you have to say about zombies. Uh, it's not really getting anything new. That's <laughs> so... my take as well. Yeah, I still think it is a slight, it's it's a pretty reasonable favorite over like Green Black Energy. It is not great against Teamer Energy, uh, Hour of Devastation. It's, it's not like that card is necessarily good against you, but I think the decks that are going to play that card are going to be good against you. Yeah, Chandra, Chandra's probably accompanying that card in most cases, right? Yeah, and, and a big top end, and it just seems a little bit rough to me. 
do you see anything here? There's there's a couple cards that makes you want to return to a splash. I know you've always been an anti-splash guy. I've been with you. Uh, is anything changed in this set? Dude, I don't know. People were talking about Mummy Paramount, which just does not do it for me. The deck is not a beatdown deck. Yeah. It just isn't. And you can't even really try and build it like a beatdown deck. So I'm not super interested in this card. The other one is the Scarab God, which is this better than like Liliana's Mastery number four? Because I, I never had that card, you know? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think like the Scarab God is, is very powerful in your deck. It is great at doing the things your deck is already great at, though. Like you're so good at just generating value and, and grinding out a long game. I just don't think this is a card you need. And exactly what you said, if, if you're not going to have the fourth Liliana's Mastery, is this really ever better? I can think of some very specific cases where, yes, it would be better. But most of the time, I probably just want the Mastery. And the fact that you don't have to muck around with your mana base. I think people always underestimate how much of Zombie's success comes from the fact that you just get to play a ton of swamps. Like it's so, so important. Having 24 lands at ETB untapped is beautiful. It's incredible. It's it's like you're playing a turn faster than so many of the decks in the format. I'm off all these splashes. They don't do it for me. I saw virtually nothing interesting here. Um, the, my, my notes... I don't know why I write things like this. This isn't even useful. I wrote, if Ruin Rat was a zombie, it would be interesting for some matchups. It's not, so who cares? I don't know why I'm even sharing that. Yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've played Typhoid rat, Rats before. Me too, man. me too. And, yeah. and Ruin Rat has a little bonus on him, but he's, he's not a zombie, and you're not going to break the synergy of your deck for a card that's as weak as Ruin Rat. So. No, so there are, there are a few things, like Eternal Amit, I think is his name. Amit Eternal. Amit Eternal, yeah, like this three mana five five. We had Plague Belcher in the last set. Like there are some like really big zombies. But which and, of your three drops is that better then, dude? I don't know. I don't know if you want to build like zombie beatdown instead of zombie tribal. That is certainly a route so that you could take, right? Totally retool, and we do try that that mummy that we talked about before. What's his name? The white mummy. I don't know, man. Mummy Paramount. If, even if that's good, it's not going to be the type of deck I enjoy. Like, I, I love the original Zombies deck so much because of the game plan it's able to execute. Zombie Beatdown is something else. This deck, or excuse me, this format is missing a beatdown deck, like just a pure beatdown deck very much. It seems, it seems like there's a gaping hole in the metagame waiting for the correct beatdown deck to just kind of smash its way through. I don't know, but, man. We have we have some red aggressive cards, some green aggressive cards. Like, there there is potential for there to be actual beatdown decks. Yeah, they just haven't come to fruition yet, and I think the potential, I mean, we have we already have a huge standard format. Obviously, it's getting bigger now, but I don't know. They haven't found their way to the forefront of the metagame yet. Well, someone's got to work on it, and right now we're not doing that work, so. That's true. I, I think someone else is probably better suited for that than you and I, to be honest with you. Yeah, probably. A, a rating on zombies going forward? I want to say it's good, but I don't think it's good. I think it's like solid minus, medium minus. It's slightly better than green-black energy, but worse than teamer energy, and way worse than monument. Okay. I, I have it trending down. Like you said, I think a large amount of decks are going to be a problem if they come to fruition, and it just didn't gain any real tools. Um, and it seems like the format was finding good ways to deal with it. So, yeah, trending down. Yep. All right, so black-green delirium. Basically, the only reason why I thought about this was... The Invitational last weekend had some players that normally play Delirium, like Brennan DeCandio. I don't know how he did or if he played it. I think he did play it, but I really don't know for sure. But, like, Sol Malka was just, like, kind of crushing it with uh, black-green splashing white. First of all, it's so awesome that he's still crushing it with black-green of, of any form. Yeah, I think he played black-green in both formats. That's crazy. Uh, I know he's been doing really well in, in modern recently yeah so i don't know like i i didn't get to see his deck list or anything but i just knew that he was kind of killing it did not end up making the top eight i think he just kind of fell a little bit short in the last few rounds but i don't know man he was just like crushing people with his his weirdo deck so do you see tools here for that deck not not really but no, his neither. deck his deck was weird i mean there is there are eternalized things which could be a thing i think that you would need to be getting something really good to make it better than Angel of Sanctions because I think the Delirium deck with that card is actually legitimate, but I'm not really seeing any like great new permanent types or like cheap ways to get cards in the graveyard. In fact, there's just like a ton of graveyard hate on every card 
Yeah, something so, that's been missing for a while uh, seems like it's going to make its way back, and, and that is Graveyard Hate. I don't know. You could, you could still see, even with the fact that a bunch of Graveyard Hate being printed, that doesn't disqualify Delirium from, you know, crushing the Pro Tour. That makes perfect sense to me, because people aren't going to be prepared with their Graveyard Hate necessarily. Although I, I am playing a little bit in the sideboard of most of my list now, so uh, maybe maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe people will be prepared for Graveyards on week one. I don't know. For, for what exactly, and which card? Because... All the graveyard hate seems tacked on, but it doesn't. There's no like relic or progenitus or a card that you would happily play, right? I have happily been playing. I don't even know the name of the card. Scavenger Grounds. Oh um, sure. So you you get that incidentally. Yes, yeah, so that that's true. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm cheating a little bit, but yeah, that card's been cool. It kind of fixes you know some of your problem with the recurring creatures. Right, but, but yeah, you, you we have, literally have a, the only card that tutors for any land. Like, yeah. you you are the person that gets to play that card. No yep. one else does. Cheating a little bit. That's that's true. There's this awful Relic of Progenitus now, the Crook of Condemnation. Oh yes. Boy, did that card get an incredible downgrade. It got nerfed um, a little bit. Yeah. I don't see people showing up week one with Graveyard Hate, but it is out there. Um, it is an option now. So I, I don't have a ton to say about Black Green Delirium. It's it's not a deck that I really have given a whole lot of thought. If there was something in the spoiler that jumped off the page at me and I was like, oh, now we consider this. Again, the only card I'm mentioning is Dream Stealer, and I just know it's not good enough, but I love it so much. But it's not the card to bring Black Green Delirium back to prominence by any stretch of the imagination. So No, I don't think so. I also think there's something to be said for it being maybe one of the only reactive decks, for the most part, on this list. I mean, I know that Brendan plays the deck in- incredibly proactively, which I think is why he's been so successful, but it's... Still, it doesn't have, like, the threat density, and if you don't, like, get to stick an early threat or get the velocity going, like, the deck just kind of falls apart because you can't crush someone in the late-late game. You generally just tend to own the mid. It is very difficult to actually get, like, a, a foothold in most games, and even things like Glorybringer sometimes are just, like, too much for you, which is kind of pathetic. Yeah, that's not a good place for your deck to be. So I guess I guess our take on this is that we were already low on the archetype, and we're just getting lower as time goes on. It's not getting higher. Okay. I, I don't know if it's actually going lower or not, but it's it's hard to get lower than where I was. I'm with you. Um, what's next on the agenda? Uh, we got some blue control decks. Yeah, blue control gets some tools. We've we've talked about Supreme Will, a card that's climbing up my rankings. Uh, there's Jace's defeat. Neat little gainsay. I mean, there's no Jace's around right now, but gainsay's always fine if the meta breaks that way. I think the biggest gain for blue control is just in the Wraths. I don't think the black one is actually good. It does exist if you're desperate for that effect. I, I do think the white and red wraths are, are both very good. Both hours there are completely playable. And I think that's going to be the biggest pickup for blue control in this set. As far as actual blue cards, Supreme Will's my big one. I'm still not sold that this card is actually good in controlled X, but yeah. Supreme Will? Yep. Huh, that's an interesting take. You think it really relies on the proactive game plan to be good? I think that you just need to draw enough counters, like hard counters, in the mid-game. And if you're mostly just, like, drawing air, like sensors in these, it's going to be really tough to actually lock a game up. It's hard to define this as air in the mid-game, though, right? Like, it's still countering most spells up until turn 7, 8. I mean, I guess it depends where you define the mid-game. I don't know. I, I, I feel like... It is it is going to be rare when you have a counterspell and you want to actually cycle it in exactly the blue-red control deck. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there are going to be enough times where you want a hard counter and you draw this and it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, that was my initial sticking point on the card. So it's it's hard for me to fight you now as I start to get a little bit more warm on this. But I see yeah, what I, you're saying. I, I do think that this is... Like, Supreme Will is going to be great in the fish decks, but I don't think it's super great in the control decks. Like, I think you will play a couple copies, like one or two, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh, thank God control is great now because I have this card. Okay, so so what do you think is here for the control decks then? A braid, maybe unsummon if you want something cheap that deals with big creatures in blue-red. Uh, so probably not. Like, I'm a little lower on the Sorcery Sweepers than you are, especially in blue-red, but in blue-white, like, blue-white just seems like mostly a tap-out deck to me, but blue-red does not. Yep. Even though we don't have a ton to talk about, I, I would trend blue control up. Like you said, I'm, I'm higher than you are, especially on the white sweeper, but it does seem like it's... There's some answers for some problems that the blue control decks just couldn't deal with before, especially ones that weren't blue-red. Blue-red kind of play a bizarre uh, Delver-ish game, but 
Blue White didn't have access to that, um, and and now maybe they find they found a niche for themselves. So I would point upwards on Blue Control, but obviously there needs to be some proof of concept before I'm I'm all in, and I haven't seen the great Blue White Control yet. So yeah, I mean I, I think our uh, whatever the white one is, Revelation. Uh, I think that's correct. Makes Blue White look more appealing. But I also think the decks that our revelation is good against are probably trending downward. It just looks like a format where you're going to have like two reasonable threats in play that are clocking you very quickly and you're going to want to have to pull the trigger on that. It's not like Mardu where it's like you're kind of like slowly building this humongous humongous board position and then you can just like wipe it all away and make them start from scratch. It just seems like they're going to have like a tracker and a glory bringer or something. You're going to be like, ah, oh, wrath it. And then they're just going to be like, all right, re-glory bringer to you. And you're like, ah, goddammit, I'm just super <laughs> dead. You know, like they're just going to kill you so quickly. Okay. I I see what you're saying. So, so you're trending down on control right now. Is that where you're at? I'm trending down for sure on blue-white. I think blue-red is still okay. I don't know, man. It just always feels like it's getting worse and worse. Like, blue-red control is legitimately, it's a good deck, you know? It's, but it just doesn't line up well against the format. I have some prejudice against the deck. I, I have just never been impressed by playing with it. This is kind of a lazy answer. It feels hyper-draw dependent to me. Like, when my draws line up well, it feels great. And when it doesn't... I'm like, why would I ever play this deck? And that's that's a very lazy way to think about magic. But it's just been my experience. You know, I, I can't shake my instinct with the deck. A braid's a big get. Am I all of a sudden going to start playing blue-red? Probably not. I don't see anything that really incentivizes me to pick it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree that to some degree, blue-red is draw-dependent. But that's basically just because it's a fish deck. Like, you can't get complete control over anyone with that deck. Yeah, blue-white is just like, yeah, I don't really care what order I draw my cards. They all do the same thing, you know, but blue-red needs the game to play out very specifically. Yes. So I definitely do agree with that, too. But, I mean, Delver felt like that at times, too, and yeah. I, I had no complaints playing that deck. It was just like, yes, yeah, you know, some, sometimes that's the game you lose. Whatever. But, good point. yeah, blue-red control is not good enough to make up for that aspect. Next deck, we have SCG Invitational Winner Metalwork Colossus. I, I got nothing here. I've, I've never played a game with Metalwork Colossus. I, I looked through the spoiler. I don't see anything that's going to change that for me. I mean, I, I love the idea in concept. I just haven't ever seen any reason to play Metalwork Colossus. I guess the biggest thing I'll say about Metalwork Colossus is that a lot of people will be playing a braid now. And that's problematic for you. Mm, yeah, that is real bad. But that that's all that's all I've got. I got nothing else to contribute here. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not familiar with this deck. This, this is what we had Majors around for. To talk about <laughs> metalwork colossus wheelhouse yeah yeah i don't know i mean all i basically did was look for expensive artifacts and like manolith is horrible i don't i don't know i don't know what you want from me metalwork colossus deck mirage mirror do you play cards like that i hope not i don't know i have i have no experience whatsoever with this deck and i am not going to change that going forward so i guess the deck stays the same for me it's it's right where it was his, his list looks good i guess it was just brennan's list from his article on friday and whatever i don't know he crushed some people it sounded like he did pretty good i was kind of worried about the deck going in and wanted to make sure i had enough like counter spells and fragmentizes and stuff just to be like kind of covered against it but and it's pretty easy to hit that point where you you do have enough of those things yeah if anyone cares i think they can beat you yeah that's that's the biggest problem with the deck and the type of decks i like to avoid but there are those are also the type of decks i tend to like to play at pro tours yeah. Um, not saying that Metalwork Colossus would be my first choice for this Pro Tour, but yeah, I, I got nothing here. All right, we have we have four decks left. I'm going to run through them really quick. If you have any points, we can talk about them. I think maybe we want to talk about new perspectives a little bit, but Pummeler deck, uh, Elder Deep Fiend, K-Return decks, maybe Metalwork Colossus kind of falls under that category. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, I was thinking more along the lines of Priced Amalgam and either Haunted Dead, Stitchwing Scab, but whatever. And then Dredge kind of fits into that category too. And then New Perspectives is like the other one that was like kind of old, maybe kind of new. Yeah. Well, New Perspectives is, is the one that stands out to me. I actually think this is the biggest gainer of any existing deck. Now, part of that is the fact that New Perspectives was horrible before, but it's picked up a lot here. You mentioned before Razaketh's right. That's the most obvious inclusion I've ever seen. You know, being able to consistently demonic tutor for the card you need to win the game is very nice. Plus, it cycles. There's Beneath the Sands now. So instead of having to play, uh, I think Weirding Wood was the ramp spell they played before. They could play Beneath the Sands. That's a little bit of a problem with Vizier, but it's not going to keep you from playing that card. Because what I think is actually happening now is that the deck is at a point where you can 
guarantee that you will never fail once you cast new perspectives with seven cards in your hand. I think you can make it so you just have enough cycling cards that you'll always win the game, you know, barring some kind of interference from your opponent. But my point is that you'll never fizzle the combo. Yeah. Also, there's Vile Manifestation, which is a super strong sideboard, like B plan for this deck, which it's never had before. Uh, if you haven't seen Vile Manifestation, it's X4 for black one, and it has power equal to the number of cards with cycling in your graveyard. This gets very big very quickly in the new perspectives deck. Also, the 04 body is fine in a lot of matchups. Blocking three power guys is, is pretty big for the new perspectives deck. So I, I really like this card. I just think they've gained a bunch. The, the, the deck got way better. It's still super vulnerable. I don't really envision a metagame where I want to play this deck. I just wanted to mention it got a ton of really interesting tools. Dude, this this could just be another one of those decks where it's like you get a great sideboard plan and you might be unbeatable, you know? Maybe. And I, I would you agree that Vile Manifestation is very interesting in that role? Yeah, for sure. It I mean, either you're blocking you're blocking Toolcraft Exemplar or killing them, and yeah, it, it tag teams with Drake Haven when you're under hate. Like I'm down. Yep. And the fact that the the no fail rate thing is very big for me. I, I've seen the deck fizzle a bunch of times. Yeah, I was gonna ask like how big of an issue was that? Did did that fail rate? actively contribute to it not being played as much i don't know i i would love to see some like high level math on the deck and it's, it's various permutations of trying to go off people who played it way more than i did told me it was fairly rare that it fizzled but i've seen it fizzle it certainly happens it happened yeah, it's, on camera it's yeah it's non-zero and going from non-zero to zero pretty big upgrade i mean even if it was an, a 90 percent success rate you're you're going to lose the games where you fail unquestionably just reminds me of the <laughs> the Flores show me your combo thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, all right, I did it. I resolved my six-man enchantment. Uh, okay, you win. Yeah, I, I think that this is probably still going to be a fringe player in the metagame. But I would, I would if I was qualified for the Pro Tour, I'd do some testing with this deck for sure, just to see where it's at. Dude, I, I think if you're trying to break it, it, it would be that. It could be. You know, we talked about Hollow One, too, as part of that B plan. So Vile Manifestation, Hollow One, all of a sudden you're a beatdown deck. Yeah, you got got some good beaters for sure. Yeah, I'm interested. Uh, But you can go on. That that was really the the point I wanted to talk about. So New Perspective is my biggest gainer from this uh, expansion. Yeah, so right now there's, like, not a lot of discard, not a lot of actual hate cards like all the lost legacies and dispossesses are mostly gone there are some counter spells but even for the invitational it was like these magic online people have negates in their sideboard like what do we even want negate against like no we'll play a rebuke and essence scatter and maybe some sensors but it's like everyone is really soft at combo so i don't know if it's like new perspectives or maybe there's paradoxical outcome nonsense or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah it just it seems like with the lack of hate and how mid-rangey the format is getting and even like the new decks are just like oh look at these like ramp and mid-range decks we can play it's just like someone's gonna break new perspectives for sure could be i mean i don't mean break it like no, basically so basically just have the balls to play it right like, <laughs> that's what breaking it is at this point and, is just being yeah, like, yes and, this is correct and just like have the numbers right like you know how many different cycle lands and how many colors you're gonna play and like have a good sideboard plan and know how to play the deck like that that is breaking it to me so yeah i, I guess i'm kind of interested in that but it's sort of outside my wheelhouse and i don't think i necessarily have the skill set but you know gotta start somewhere yeah this is when you really want to have zvi on your team because i've oh, yeah. before and it's just like when there was something like this around he was the guy to put to work on it for sure yeah for sure uh anything else anything else we're excited about no, the the other tools to me aren't that exciting. The Amalgam decks getting Hollow One is something I want to try out. I guess I would mention there's like strategic planning and tragic lesson if you want to get get away from red in your dredge decks and yep, just be like I, blue black. Yeah, I, well, I was looking at Sultai. Yeah, Sultai is an option as well. Traverse um, for Deep Fiend is very good. Yep, I could see that. I don't know where I'm at on all that. I think probably I'm not the one to build those lists. So when you have a, an interesting Sultai list, I'll certainly take a look at it. Yeah, but, I got you there. I played yeah. with these decks like two sets ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, having had this conversation now, there's enough here, right? Like, we just had, we talked about a bunch of interesting decks. We talked about interesting inclusions. I don't think this is a complete miss as a set. There's there's points of interest. It just may not be, you know, the format shaker that we thought we were in line for. 
Yeah, I don't think the format's going to get shaken up or anything, but we did mention maybe like 40 different cards that could see play, which is a reasonable chunk. Yeah, that's pretty good. Either either it's pretty good or we're way too optimistic about what's going to see play. I don't know which one. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily optimism. It's just like we see the potential for what situations it would take for these cards to be good, right? Yeah. And yeah. it is it's generally better to not just ignore things because you can't see where they go or right now it happens to not be a player or whatever. Agreed. I, I used to love when Chapin would write set reviews in that fashion where he would just, you know, find a use for every card. And he was talking about cards which he knew and everyone reading knew they wouldn't they weren't actually going to see constructive play, but he was looking at possible applications for them. Yep, and that only exactly. helps you in evaluating further cards down the road, right? It, it just oh, gets yeah. your mind thinking. So I think this was a, a good exercise for us. No, for sure. All right. Uh, next week, uh, maybe we'll have some practice in and get to talk about what is actually good. How's that sound? That sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right. That's game. Good luck.